we have a tradition here at Church on the Rock, probably the last maybe 12, 15 years or longer, we have honored a, a someone that's more than a missionary, but kind of a father figure to me, a father figure and overseer in our church. But uh, Larry and Mary Lou Myers have been our friends in the nation of Mexico for almost 20 years now. And uh, he's going to talk to you a little bit about how God is using him. But I bring him every Christmas because not just to hear a sermon. I'm, I'm ready to preach. i got a good one for next week. I hope you're going to be here. But I bring him because I want to honor him. I mean, I want you to uh, you'll receive something great. I mean, it's been great the last two services we've had. You're going to receive something that's going to help you. But he's an example of a man that served the Lord over 50 years, married to the same wife over 50 years, one of the most honest people that I know, and has done as much as I know of any person that's changed a nation, and it's the nation of Mexico on our southern border. But I also bring him here to honor him because we kind of adopt him at Christmas time, and they don't have a home church, and we want to be that. So give him a big hand today to Larry and Mary Lou Myers. God bless you. We love you very much. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. To the rest of you deadheads, good morning. Amen. Does this really do any good? Does it? I mean, a little old inv- you might as well just throw it away. That's nothing. One little old invitation. What good would it be? What good could it do? I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior by means of no invitation from anyone, no testimony. In a barracks in San Antonio, at night, God came into that room convicted me. I did not know how to pray. I lay on my bunk trying to pray. Finally, I thought, I heard something about you're supposed to be on your knees, and I crawled out of the bed on my knees. And then I got shipped out of there to Wichita Falls, uh, to, to Wichita Falls, and then to Denison, Denison, Texas. I'm lying on my bunk. I'm not a, I was not raised in church, knew nothing about serving God, anything. Lying on my bunk, an old boy from Alabama. Anybody from Alabama? God have mercy on you. Walks through and he said, Mars? He can't, you know, Alabamans can't speak right. He, you know, I don't, he didn't say Mars. And Mars? Want to go to church with me tonight? <laughs> Might as well. Didn't know anybody in the whole city. So I went to church with him. And that night, I met Mary Lou. God had a plan or a trap, one or the other, but it worked. And all that I have done for the Lord was a result of, yes, it does make an invitation. It does make a difference, an invitation. Imagine if he had a walk by and not invited me to church that night. Imagine I would have never met this lady and her wonderful family. Imagine if I had never had to call to preach the gospel. Can you imagine Chiapas today, Pastor John? Can you imagine Guerrero, Atoyac, the hospital, if that had not been that invitation? Can you imagine the orphanage in Tuxla without that invitation? 
It does make a difference. Give it to somebody, and who knows what their life will touch just by your invitation. It does mean something. I want to thank Pastor John Miller, who literally threw out a life jacket to me many, many years ago. At that time, I, I put on a good front. I still put on a good front. You know, I'm looking at Pastor standing here and talking to little short guy down here, Travis. Tell me what is old, and I'm expecting Travis to say, Larry Myers. But he's a gracious man. He didn't say that. But I put on a front. But in reality, God is so powerful that he just does away with every fault and every failure and every uh, inability. And he himself comes forth. When you yield to him, it's amazing what he can do as long as he gets the glory. Amen. Amen. I spoke with Pastor last night, Friday night, for a few moments on loyalty. That one word is the key to the success of everything. Loyalty. I'm not going to preach on that today, but I asked him to preach on it. Loyalty. I use the phrase, Carlos, who's over all the work in the southern part of Mexico. I'm loyal to Carlos. Anything that Carlos wants, I'm loyal to him. To the, to the last penny that I have in the bank, if Carlos needs it, it's his. He's loyal to me. To the last ounce of energy he has, if I need it, he's loyal to me. He'll give it to me. Together, we are loyal to God. And God is loyal to us. That's all you need. Imagine if I'm loyal to Mary Lou, and she's loyal to me. And I'm loyal to my children, and they're loyal to me. And I'm loyal to my pastor, and he's loyal to me. And I'm loyal to the church, and he's loyal to me. What more do you need? What other program do you need? It's wonderful to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I am a loyal person. Circumstances is not going to separate me from my loyalty. I'll come back next week and preach that. We'll can that sermon he has. In a few weeks... One of the best surgeons that I know will be in our medical facility on the west side of Mexico. A surgeon by the name of Russell Romero, who has performed countless, countless, countless surgeries throughout the years in our medical facility. We have, really it's a hospital, it has two surgical suites in it. And we do a lot of good for a lot of people there. But I remember when this man threw me out a life jacket because I had no support, no finances, very few people backing the work. And why, why, and what did he see in a born-again Cajun? I have no, no imagination. 
But Pastor John, you kept me afloat in those early years until God put the team around me to accomplish what we're accomplishing now. I appreciate great offerings. If anybody wants to give me a hundred thousand, I'll take it. But your hundred thousand today would not admit as much as that couple of hundred dollars twenty years ago. I needed it desperately. That's loyalty. From that day till now, he's been loyal, and I've been loyal, and we've been loyal, and he has been loyal, and we're all blessed because of that. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Linnell, for what you've done for Chiapas, what you've done for the Indian ladies. Uh, Got some more places that you've got an invite to go. Uh, Monterey wants you. Big church there in Monterey. Send somebody to help our ladies. Send somebody to help our youth. So we'll talk about that in the future. Um, Let me read a text first. I'm glad Mary Lou's here. Amen. I wanted to have her come up and sit here. But uh, she probably wouldn't like that. But I would like for her to stand up and let you see who she is. Because everything that I am is because of two people, God and this lady right here. Would you stand? You can't have her? 53 years plus. God is such a good God. One invitation. Mars, won't you go to church with me? 53 years later, we're still married. God is so good. One invitation. Give a little pamphlet. Go to church with me. How many single girls do we have? Shame on you. (laughs) Not a hand, huh? But turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. And I'm just going to relax and have a good time, okay? If you get hungry, go to Pizza Hut, get a nice pizza and bring it back to the church. But on your way back, stop and get a nice steak and bring it with you because I don't want pizza. I want to talk about dark days. Mary Lou and I have had 53 wonderful years plus. But there were days during that 53 years that were very troublesome and very dark. In our early life, my father-in-law said, they'll never make it. I was so primitive and she was so high class. Fine and refined. But the grace of God was sufficient. Brought us through every dark moment. But I want to preach to you this morning about those dark moments. Chapter 29, Jeremiah, verse 11. This is what God says. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Would you do me one favor? Just close your eyes, every last one of you. Just close your eyes. No one will see you. Now, I want to ask a question while your eyes are closed. 
If there is anyone here that are going through difficult times right now, I want you to slip your hand up. Let me see it. Okay? You may put them down. I want you to pay very close attention to what I'm preaching on this morning. Very close attention. It will minister to you. The Word of God will minister to you. And also, if you do not have difficult times today, pay very close attention because you're going to come in contact with someone who is going through difficult times and they're going to need what I say today. Pay close attention. God doesn't waste His time and His words just to fill in in half an hour's space. If you don't need it today, someone you're going to meet is going to be going through difficult times and you're going to need to share with them. It's amazing how quick a storm can approach. I remember just a boy. My daddy sent me across the Mississippi River to bait the trot lines. We made our living off what we called on the trot line. Very important that we get them baited late, late, late in the evening to run the next morning. No fish, no food. That very simple. My little brother was with me. We went across the river. Almost dark, nice evening, afternoon, sun been shining, beautiful. I'm baiting the trot line, the last line. I looked up the river, and here comes a black, black storm barreling down the river. I told my little brother, get back there and get ready to start the outboard. I'm going to bait the last hook. When the wind hits, I'm dropping it, and we're going across the Mississippi. We lived on the opposite side. The winds hit. I dropped the trot line. He pulled the rope, and nothing happened. It wouldn't start. I tried to start it. It wouldn't start. Storm is barreling down on us in a... In a, a few moments of time, it had gone from a beautiful afternoon, a beautiful evening, to a horrible, horrible situation. I did not want to stay on the opposite side of where we lived that night. No shelter, not in the middle of a storm. I knelt in the bow of the boat and began to paddle it across the river, or across the river. Trying to keep the point, the bow of that boat, in the direction of the wind, lest it turn sideways and we be swamped. Young boy, all the strength that I have, keep that boat straight. Pray to God that one of the tugboats does not come down at this time. Current sweeping us down the river, my little brother, bailing out with a bucket as the waves Rolled over, it rolled over into the boat. And I'm doing my best, fighting the waves, fighting the current, fighting the storm. And I looked up and I saw my daddy on the opposite side of the river. And all he could do was just walk, follow the, us as we drifted down the river and just wave. That's all. Dark day. Dark day. Both of us could have drowned it. Both of us could have been destroyed. It's amazing how quickly, how quickly... Events in life can turn on you, and you find yourself in the midst of a storm. Last night, had a good night of fellowship. I enjoyed it last night. I enjoyed preaching. After the service, 
We sat down the back, nice table. Pastor was there. John Henry was there. Two or three other people were there. Bill was there. Vicky was there. What a beautiful night. What a beautiful day. How bright the sun was shining. I mean, you could tell that today was going to be even better than yesterday, it seemed like. But when Vicky woke up this morning, her entire business was destroyed. Fire had just wiped out all of her dogs. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars of investment. The dead burned to death. But last night we were having potato soup and laughing. It's amazing how quickly a storm can hit you. But Vicki and others that are here, you have to know this. In the midst of your darkest day, in the midst of your most terrible storm, God still has a plan. Do you understand it? God still has a plan. He said, I know the plan that I have for you. And it's not for calamity. It's to give you a future and to give you a hope. You're not going under. You're not going to go down. You're going to rise because God said, I know the plans that I have for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Carlos Tovia Cortez. Handsome young man. In Illinois. I saw you looking at him. <laughs> Young man, single, studying to be an engineer, handsome young man, black-headed, just, I mean, he, he just what I dreamed that I looked like. And then I wake up. Carlos received a call to preach the gospel. Went down, talked to his dad. His dad said, if you're going to be a preacher, be the best. He walks away from college, falls in love with a pastor's daughter, marries a beautiful young lady. And there could not have been a brighter day in anybody's life than in Carlos's life. Father-in-law leaves the church. Carlos is elevated to be the senior pastor. Wife, home, church. What more Respect. What more could you ask for in life? The sun could not be any brighter than it was for Carlos that day. Until his wife comes in one day and says, I don't love you. That same storm that was barreling down the Mississippi kept on rolling all the way down to Chiapas and touched the life of Carlos. She said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. I want a divorce. Imagine you're a Pentecostal preacher. And your wife just comes in and says, I don't want to be married to you. And starts hanging out with everybody in town. Pretty hard to live that down, isn't it, Pastor? Mm. He preaches on a Sunday morning and he tells his congregation, he says, Psalms 23. I've entered into the valley of the shadow of death. How long it is, I do not know. 
How wide it is, I do not know. How deep it is, I do not know. I just know that I've just entered into it. Dark days. Dark days are no respect of persons. Dark days touch us all. It touches the preachers. It touches the preacher's wives. It touches the preacher's daughters. It touches the preacher's churches. It touches the wealthy. It touches the poor. It touches the women. It touches the men. It touches the boys. It touches the girls. Dark days are of Satan. And dark days have no respect for a person. It's the desire of Satan to send a storm into your life every day that you wake up. It would be his will to destroy you. But you've got to know that in the darkest day of your life, when you can't even see a moment of hope, you've got to know that God knows all about it. He sees you. And he said, I know the plans that I have for you. Vicky, I have no idea what plan God has for you. And neither do you. But God knows the plan that he has for you. Amen. Three ladies standing on the border of Judah and Moab. Ten years earlier, man and his wife and two little boys stood on the same border. Everything was wonderful. Life was great. Going to run over to Moab just a little while because they have a little bit more food than we have over here in Judah. In a little famine over there, it won't be long. Run over there, stay a little while, then we'll come back home. Man, his wife, and two boys. They get over into Moab. The two boys marry two young ladies. Then the storm hits. Naomi's husband dies. Elimelech dies. Leaving her with two girls, two son-in-laws. One of the son-in-laws dies. Sad day. Storm gets rougher. Other son-in-law dies. Gets really rough. Three ladies They decide to go back to Judah. They're standing on the same border that Naomi had stood on ten years earlier. They're standing on the same border. They're holding on to one another. There is no hope now. They're clinging to one another. They're crying. They're just bawling and just hugging and holding on because that's all they know to do. Sometimes the storms are so harsh in your life, you don't know what to do. You're reaching to just hold on somebody. Hold on to me. On that border, three of them bawling and squalling because Naomi said there is no hope. Dark days touch all of us. But in your darkest day, know that God still has a plan for you. Can you get that? Are you hearing me? Are you receiving this? In your darkest day, whether it be today or last night or tomorrow or tomorrow night, in your darkest day, God still has a plan for you. He has not forgotten you. He has not neglected you. He has not left you alone. He has promised to be with you. He will be with you. And He and He alone knows the plan of your life tomorrow. The Apostle Paul is, is, is being sent on a ship and, and he knows it's going to be a, a, a tough time. He, he knows that things are going to go wrong 
And so he, he turns to the captain of the ship and he said, look, this voyage, I perceive, is going to face some tough times. It's going to be a lot of damage to the boat, to the cargo, and then to our lives also. Paul knew that a dark storm was on its way. It got so bad, the Bible says that there was no more hope left. The scripture says, and the, and hope was slowly abandoned. When you have no hope, you're in bad condition. But there was enough hope in Paul, there was enough hope that he held on. Some way we're going to make it. Hold on to hope until faith arrives. Hmm. Hold on to hope when you can't see tomorrow. When you can't figure out how you're going to make it. When you add it all up and it's still not going to work. When your health begins to fall apart. When your family begins to fall apart. When your church begins to fall apart. When all begins to fall apart. Hold on to hope. Even if you can't see the answer. Hold on to hope. Until faith arrives. He's holding on to hope. Paul was. They're throwing the tackle overboard. They're throwing the cargo overboard. And they're about to throw the people overboard. To lighten the ship. Hoping that they wouldn't go under. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Honestly with me. Have you ever been there? In that black of night. Stand up here, Mary Lou. I might preach you at one o'clock. Fifty-three years. This lady has been the rock of Gibraltar. She's been 90% of everything I do in Mexico. But I was in a storm so bad in Atoyac. John Miller wasn't there. The church on the rock here in, in Texarkana was not there. Not a supporter was there. Totally alone, suffering, down to skin and bone. And I was so low, I didn't care if I ever saw this lady again. Or my two boys. God. I said, God, do you even know where I am? I'm living in a shed, in a shack, over a dump. I'm bathing in a little small water bucket. God, do you even know where I am? I know what it's like to be in a hard situation, in a black, dark situation. But God had a plan. In that darkest moment of my life, God said, nothing's going to happen to you, boy, because I see where you're going to be tomorrow. Hold on to hope until faith arrives when you can see. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Earth was void without form. Darkness covered the face of the deep. Pitch black. But God had a plan. Hallelujah. You couldn't see anything. Couldn't see your hand in the front of you. If you would have been there. But we hadn't been created at that time. Pitch blackness. But God had a plan. 
What's your plan, God? Doesn't matter. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of that darkness. Oh, God. I cried out in those moments of my dark storm. God, send your spirit. Hover over me, Lord. I don't have the faith to, to, to see how I'm going to get out of this situation. But God, send your spirit. Let your spirit move over me, God. And the Bible says that the Lord's spirit moved over the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. Let there be light. And all of a sudden the darkness fled. Oh, God, in the moment of your darkest day, I pray, God, send the Spirit. Send the Spirit. Hover over them, Lord. Hover over them until you can say, let there be light. And they can have the faith to go through their trials. I'm preaching something that will help you if you'll grasp it. Hold on until the Spirit of the Lord moves over you and God sends a light and you can see the direction that you're going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Abraham, wonderful man of God, waited a hundred years for a child. I waited a little over a year. Now almost two years. But then I wasn't married to Sarah. I was married to Miss Mary Lou. I wanted a lot of kids. Only had two. Now I wonder if just one would have been better. It takes a lot to raise kids. It takes a lot to raise children, but it takes a lot to, to raise grown children. And it takes a lot to raise married children. And it takes a lot to, ma- to, to take care of married children who have grandchildren. I've experienced it all. Eight great-grandchildren. And I'm still helping the little two heads. But in the midst of it all, God had a plan for every single thing. How wonderful. Abraham, finally you got your little boy. You love that little boy. Precious. Played together, I'm sure. Walked through the desert to the... Over there in, in, uh, in, in Cana, together. Had a lot of high hopes for him. I'm sure that Abraham looked at it, his boy and, and thought, man, you're going to take over where I, when I have to leave it all. You're, you're going to be the heir of everything. The heir of the promise of God. God said that he's going to bless us and, and, our, and our, our people are going to be like the sand of the sea. And when I go my way, son, you're going to be in charge of all that. That's our inheritance. I'm sure he had big plans. But what Abraham didn't see was the storm that was about to blow into his front yard. And one day God said to Abraham, Abraham, I love the way it words it in the Bible. Give me your son, your only son. That's what God did for us. He gave us his son, his only son. And he's asking Abraham, I want you to offer your son as a burnt offering to me. Kill him. God. Can I, can I at least get close to you? How would you feel? Where, where is Rebecca? She's teaching. 
How would you feel, Pastor John? I'm serious. How would you feel if all of a sudden God asked for your little girl? God. Sometimes if it's not major surgery, if it's not you. But if it's you, it's major surgery. You see, you look at Abraham and you say, ah, you can handle it. You're a man of faith. But if you were in Abraham's shoes, it'd be major surgery. And so he goes on his way with his little boy, wood on his back. Abraham has a knife, his fire in his hands. Go to the bottom of the mountain. God says, that's the mountain. I want you to offer your little boy. Climbing up the mountain, knowing that he was going to be, in a few moments, sacrificed. Built an altar. Laid the wood on the top of the altar. Bound his boy. Can you imagine when he's tying his boy? And his little boy looking at him and said, Dad, I don't understand this. I, I mean, I don't understand it, Dad. We have everything for a sacrifice, but we do not have the sacrifice. And you're binding your little boy. Do you have any children? You have a boy? Could you bind him knowing that in a few moments his blood is going to be spilled on that altar without tearing your heart out? That's a dark day, friends. And you know what? Those same dark days are in time going to touch every one of our lives in a different way. But it's going to be a dark day, a hurtful day, a day that Satan is going to try to destroy you. But you've got to know that God loves you and he has a plan for you. And he's going to bring you through that dark day because he knows the plan that he has for you. And while Abraham is walking up one side of the mountain, the sacrifice is walking up the other side of the mountain. You see, God had that plan all along. God knew that Abraham would not put the knife in his son. Abraham didn't know that. God loves us. And he's not going to forget us and forsake us. I want to get through on time. But God only knows what time is. As I said earlier, it was a dark day in Atoyak when I was so low without any help, without a friend, that I never cared if I saw my wife again. Tough time. I was hurting, hurting in a big way. But God wasn't worried at all. Wasn't even concerned in the least little bit. You see, God was looking down the road to a place called Chiapas. Where the little indigenous Indians had not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Didn't know about our Lord. Didn't know about the, the fact that God loved them. And all the time that the storm was tearing me apart in Atoyak. The mountains of Chiapas were waiting because God had a plan. April, Easter Sunday this year, 5,000 plus came down out of the mountains in that stadium. It couldn't commence to hold them just to say, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you that you had a plan. Thank you that we were included in that plan. Thank you, Lord, that the, that the, the, the missionary didn't go under. Thank you, Lord, that he didn't fail. Thank you, Lord, because you had a plan. Now we're a part of that plan. 5,000 plus came down the mountain just to love our Lord. Don't ever give up in the midst of your darkest day. Well, I sure hate to leave Carlos in that valley. And I hate to leave those three ladies on that border between Moab and Judah. What happened to Carlos? How many do not know Carlos? Most all of you. Well, I got to tell you, the poor boy turned, became a drug addict, a drunkard, left God, and died. Is that the plan of God? Is God's plan to hurt you? Is it to give you calamity? Well, ten years from the day that he preached that first sermon, he said to his congregation, turn with me to Psalms 23. And he read the very same text. And he said, folk, I've now exited the valley. I've come out of the valley. And I want to invite you to my wedding in two weeks. God had sent him a beautiful young lady. Her name is Barbara. From Switzerland to Chiapas. And now they have two beautiful, beautiful young boys. And Carlos called me a couple of weeks ago. And right the week after you left Linnell, he had a meeting with the pastors. He called me and he said he had 125 pastors representing thousands of people. And Carlos is over all of it. Don't tell me God doesn't have a plan for you. You hold on to hope and you're not going to go under because God had a plan. And you remember those three ladies standing on the border? Well, lightning struck them and they all died. Not hardly. That's not God's love for his people, is it? That's not God's love for you. What makes you think that God's going to forget you and watch you go under? Tell me one reason. If you can tell me one reason you think God's going to let you down, I'll sit and listen to it. It'll be unscriptural because every scripture says he would never leave you, never turn his back on you, never forsake you. Never, never, never. never. How long is never? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, those three young ladies, one went back to be with her family. One clung to her mother-in-law. She goes into the town, goes to work in a field, much like Mary Lou, she marries the owner of the field. She got lucky. That's true. That's what the Bible says. Married the owner of the field, and they had a little boy. She called him Obed. Obed grew up, married, had a little boy. Named him Jesse. Jesse grew up, had a little boy named him David. 
David grew up, had a little boy named him Solomon, and on and on until finally, Joseph and Mary both grew up, had a little boy named him Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't tell me God doesn't have a plan. He has a plan for you. And it is to bless you and give you a future. And if you think it ends with Jesus, you're wrong. What's your name? Brianna, I love that name. Stand up here, Brianna. You love Jesus? You've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior? On that moment, on that border between Moab and Judah, Jesus was thinking, God was thinking about Brianna. All these years later, He would make a way that everyone could call upon the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and be saved. She's a part of the direct lineage by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because God had a plan. And He still has a plan. And He has a plan for you. Amen. Will you stand with me? Pastor, my man of my word. I want you to come. If you've received the message today, why don't you respond to it? This is your pastor. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you need a pastor. Real bad. 20 more seconds. The week after you left Linnell, I had a group from McKinney. And a man there showed me his arms. I had never seen, I've heard of track, needle tracks. I'd never seen that. He showed me both of his arms from here all the way down. Looked like they'd taken a marker and marked all the way down the thousands of times that he had given himself drugs. But he's on fire for God and a great part of what we do in Mexico because God had a plan for it that drugs couldn't even destroy. Hallelujah. Thank God. Give him a big hand. Thank you, Brother Larry. We want to close our service with an opportunity for prayer today. And you know, I... It's one thing for a younger guy like Pastor Travis and I to talk about hope when you have problems. But it's another thing when you've got us walk down the road a little longer. I love you. But to see the faithfulness of God. And I want you to just walk away with that today. God is a faithful God. And I want you to live by faith and not by your feelings. Because if I live by my feelings, I get entangled up with my circumstances. And my circumstances clouds my vision. You know, we live in a world that has evil in it. Bad things have been happening ever since Adam and Eve made a bad mistake many, many, many generations ago. And sometimes that evil just has a way of getting in our life and knocking us down. And, and we don't feel like we can get up. But the goodness of God is there to help pick us up. And I just received that. Do you receive that this morning? There's a good God. There's a light in the darkest tunnel for the believer. You can't find it at the mall. You can't find it at Walmart. You can't find it at Sam's. But you can find it in your knowledge of your God, your Heavenly Father. I wonder what the Holy Spirit's saying to you today. Here's how we'll close our service today. In just a moment, we're going to sing as we often do in our church. And we're going to sing a chorus through a time or two, and then you'll be free to go. 
But when you sing, our prayer team is going to begin to come down around the front and they'd like to pray for you today. Because here's something I know about prayer. Prayer is like starting a fire. Let me know you can have the wood in place. You can have the little fire starter stick in place. You can have lighter fluid in place. But until you have a match, I mean, you're not going to have fire. But when two people come together in the place of prayer, didn't Jesus tell us if two of us would, would agree as touching anything, it would be done? That God would hear our prayer and God would take us forward. God would show us what that next step is. Well, listen, that can happen to you in the place of prayer today. And I want to encourage you, particularly if it relates to the message. Maybe the Lord spoke something to you. Maybe you had something happen in your life and you don't understand how light can come out of darkness, how something good can come out of something so bad. I want to tell you, your Father in heaven can help you today as you exercise that faith. So whether it's responding to the message, whether there's another need you may have in your life, some problem, or for someone you love and care about. Because here's something I know about prayer. Everybody needs prayer. You don't have to be a member of our church to come for prayer. And you certainly don't have to be embarrassed to come from prayer. I met a dear lady at the back in the last service. She walked out the door. I said, how you doing? I'm okay. And she was weeping. And I said, did you go to the front for prayer? No. And I said, oh, we'll just pray for you right here. But it just it kind of a little disconnect sometimes. God is here, and God will help you. And I want to encourage you to respond to Him. But particularly if you're here today, and that you don't know Christ as your Savior. You don't know if you died today, if you'd go to heaven or hell. Can I tell you, nothing is more important than that. Nothing is more important than knowing that Christ is real and Christ is alive. And I'll tell you today, someone will talk with you here. They'll explain to you the path of salvation, how Jesus came to provide a way out for you. And you can make a step to Christ today. But in just a minute, when we begin to sing, you come and we'll pray for you. Here's another opportunity I give you today. I, I told you I invited him to come and preach, not just because he is a good preacher. And he shares a life message that's been true over 50 years. I need to hear that every once in a while. I need to see that in a father of the faith. But I also told you I bring him here to honor him. He's a man of God. He's kind of like a father to me. He's an overseer in our church. And if you want to give a missions gift at Christmas to a missionary that's done something with his life, we've adopted him. And I give you that opportunity. I put my Bible on the pulpit if you want to bring an offering. If it ushers will be in the back. But if you want to take some Christmas and bless somebody that's been a great blessing to the world, you can do that today. Let's just begin to sing right now. Just begin to sing. I want our prayer team just to begin to come forward this morning. Come on, a lot of people here today. I believe there's a lot of people that can be ministered to this morning. You may know somebody that's in a ditch, somebody that's in trouble. You just come. Let us pray for you today. Anything going on, we'll sing at a time or two, and then we're going to go. But you need prayer today. God can be here. Listen, God will meet with you, friend. Come, let us pray for you today. You need something. You need God to help you in some way. You come this morning, and someone will stand with you today. You're standing for yourself. You're standing for your friends. You come. Come on, let's worship church.